Rhino, we're back. It's been a little bit. I missed you, buddy. I missed missed you too, Chad. Yeah, and it is good to be back on the air with you and good to talk some baseball once again. Even though it's not here yet, hopefully us talking about it will maybe push it along a little further and bring it into existence. And and it's it's an opportunity. It really is um, because they're talking again. And we are at a decision point really here in the next week or so. Um, and we're going to get into all of that in the show, but it, this is the time if they're going to be able to get into spring training in June and start around July 4th, it, this is the time. And we've been holding off on, on coming back to you because we want to make sure we have stuff to talk about, but what we do have to talk about, this is the special last dance part one edition. Um, because we said, Hey, everybody else was watching 10 episodes of Jordan and there is a baseball connection. Yeah, there absolutely is. So we figured why not bring in the announcer for the Birmingham Barons, Kurt Bloom, is going to join us in part one of a two-part episode. You're going to be able to hear part one of our interview here today, so stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about what the experience was like for Kurt and the Barons in the city of Birmingham having Michael Jordan play baseball that fateful summer in 1994. We're also going to be uh, talking about the implications of a shortened season. Uh, We're going to talk about longtime uh, friend of the show, uh, Mark Silverman, and and his recent battles and some things that you can do to help out. um, That and so much more. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. First inning now, and Chad, it is good to be back with you. It is good to hear your voice again after our hiatus. And uh, we figure why not bring the content back to, even though there may not be baseball right now, we can at least talk baseball and talk about what we've been doing to try and pass the time these past couple of months. How are you doing and how are you holding up with everything going on around the world as we uh, sit here today? You know, I'm good. I think, you know, we're all much better than we were back in March and in April. We're adjusting to this, which is kind of the, you know, I hate the, the term, the new normal. But, you know, we had a reason to have the show this week. We've got a blockbuster guest, which we talked about. And, you know, along with, you know, the, the linkage to the, the, the last dance. Um, and, you know, and we want to be good to our listeners. Like one thing we don't want to do. And if, if you're a longtime listener to the show, we don't want to like every week just rehash and hash and, and talk about stuff that is um, unsubstantiated. I mean, sometimes that's fun to talk about, but that's that's better attuned for local radio, right? So we're here to talk about what we know is happening when things are either going to happen or not happen. And we're going to find out that in the next couple of weeks. So I'm, you know, I am like everybody else. I'm hopeful um, that, that things will continue to, or will progress, will be better, that we'll have more clarity on what's going on. But it's also it's this has been such a hard time, Ryan. I mean, I you know, you you work um, in the healthcare field. You go into the office. Uh, I I've always worked from home. And so, you know, for 162 games of the year, you know, Pat and Ron, if I'm not at the game, they're in my ear. They're over my speakers at home. I mean, that's that's my, that's a soundtrack of more than half of my year. I was supposed to be at opening day, uh, you know, my 18th opening day at Wrigley Field. I was supposed to be um, at the Padre, all the game of the Padre series, the LA series. I was supposed to fly off in a couple of weeks to London for the Cardinal series. So, I mean, I'm missing a lot of trips that are based around being back in Chicago with friends and at Wrigley. Um, so it just, it's, it's disappointing just like all of our, 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 our listeners, you know, it, it's just, it, this is such a, a twilight zone year. How are you holding up? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly been difficult. Uh, as you mentioned, working in healthcare, it's uh, been a very stressful time, but I'm fortunate and thankful to have my job. My wife is still working yeah. as well. Uh, my family thankfully is very healthy and they're, you know, obviously quarantining themselves too, but you know, we all have stresses that we're dealing with. We all are trying to do the best we can. And it's definitely been an adjustment without sports. It definitely has been tough. I mean, this has always been kind of, you know, the way that we can escape, right, through sports, whether it's the NBA or the NFL or for the love that we have for Major League Baseball and especially the Chicago Cubs. It brings happiness to us. And not having that right now during this pandemic, um, I think, has certainly taken a toll. But hopefully we can get that back as as soon as we possibly can. And so that's a great transition moving to the second inning, Chad. And uh, the Major League Baseball proposal that the owners have 
uh, initially proposed to the players. Um, I'm not fully up to the you know exact details of everything that is going on because it is a little confusing. But basically, there would be an 82-game season. They would start spring training in June. The season would start in July. I, I love the 82-game idea. Um, still not sure where they, these games would be potentially played, yep. um, but um, the owners did offer the players a certain amount of a salary. Um, the players would have to take some sort of pay cut, but the owners have also asked for an additional pay cut. And that's where I feel like the players have balked a little bit. That's not to say that there's yeah. not going to be a counter offer or there's not going to be, um, you know, some other discussions going on, but how do you feel about the prospects of this initial proposal? And yeah. if the footing can eventually get there for that 82 game season, you know, what we know, and we've been in this business long enough. We were, we we're both have been in the media combined more than, more than 20 years. And, you know, some of this is, is negotiating through the media and getting messaging out there and trying to get certain sides on you and paint the other sides at one way or the other. Here's what I can share as a Cub season ticket holder. The Cubs had an, a forum and they were very open, very kind of opened up the kimono for us and, and shared like where their revenue comes from and, and the impact of some of these proposals you know, a good portion of, of, of the funds they make is the game day experience. A good portion. People always say, well, the TV deals. Yeah, the TV deals are huge, but the TV deals, you know, don't even compare to what the Cubs, for instance, brings in on a day-to-day basis. And so um, when they look at to say, okay, well, listen, whatever comes into the bucket across the board, we're going to split 50-50. The players so far have balked at that because they will take a monster pay cut. And you could say, well, you're being greedy. Um, I think there's a balance here. There's a balance here of, of, of is it worth it to do this, to put them in a different negotiation? Because they're getting ready to go up against their, their collective bargaining agreement. You know, they're, they're, they're talking about this could be the year before a lockout or a strike. Um, there's so many things at work, and I always try to appreciate the fact that, you know what, there are billions of dollars at play here. I just want baseball. And so, you know, the proposal they have out there, that was the initial question you asked me. Yeah, they add the universal DH. They've got a 30-man roster. 14 teams are going to make the postseason, that 50-50 split. I feel that um, if they can find a workable solution, Ryan, that takes into account all of the health concerns. We're going to talk about this in, in a future inning. And everybody feels comfortable with that, well compensated, uh, and can get the, the the product out there. I think that's what's going to be best for baseball, best for America. I mean, as we record this, the day before Memorial Day, you know, the, the NFL owners are still expecting full stadiums and a full season. And I don't know how that can happen in this current climate. So if baseball can figure this out and get playing, it's just going to be great for America. I do not think I'm going to set foot. I'm going to be able to set foot. Um, any fans are going to be able to set foot into Wrigley Field anytime this calendar year. Yeah, so let us move to the third inning. And that poses the question, Chad, should they play this year in 2020? I mean, there's there's obviously the one side that says, well, we want them to play. But is it ultimately the right decision for them to play. The NBA is looking to find a way to play their games down at Disney World, and it looks like they may be able to do that um, with smaller rosters, with maybe quarantining their players in certain areas, and it's indoors um, in you know certain specific gyms. Um, is it too difficult at this pro- point in time for Major League Baseball to try and get all of these players, their their coaches, the trainers, everybody that comes with it to to play games, um, especially as you said earlier in the second inning, when the um, income of these teams is so heavily dependent for a lot of them on the attendance and um, you know how many people are coming. Now, yeah. now it's kind of interesting if I if I may say this. The smaller market teams, the ones who don't draw well, so let's talk about the Tampa Bay Rays or the Miami Marlins, they're the ones, believe it or not, that are actually in a better position than a team like the Cubs, who rely so much more, A, with the heavy payroll, and B, with the game day experience. So is it ultimately financially worth it for the owners to play this season and the players to play this season is the is the risk too high at this point, Chad? This is going to make a lot of people cringe, but Crane Kenny, 
Tom Ricketts both said, no, there's, there's a point where it just doesn't make financial sense. If all of a sudden they're going to be writing $5 million checks every game day, just to have a product out on the field and lose that money. Ultimately, this is a business. I'm going to go in a different direction than what you outlined. I'm going to go into, this is what I, this is the thing that has literally kept me in bed thinking about how this could ever happen. Imagine the season starts up, right? Imagine you're going to ask these players The only way to really do this truthfully, safely, because this is a very infectious situation, they've got to, they've almost got to quarantine into a, in, in the most like the most closed off cloud of just, just, just their world. And I've seen reports that it would take about, um, 20,000 people really to pull a season off. So you're asking, you know, all of these people to, to, to be able to like stay away from it. So the, my scenario, the nightmare scenario is this. They start playing, and I'm just going to throw out a name. Aaron Judge tests positive because they're going to test every week. Why are they testing every week? Because some of these people could get sick. Aaron Judge gets sick. Now, do the Yankees just stop playing for a week? Yeah, they're probably going to have to. So that's my biggest concern. They start playing from a safety aspect. You don't want anybody to get hurt or get sick. But if they actually start playing and a person from a team gets sick, I mean, we're seeing a Ford plant opened up in the last two weeks. The Ford plant opened up, and then a couple people tested positive. They had to shut everything down. How do you do this with baseball when you are not going to have people living in a bubble? You're, you, you know, Mike Trout made a really good uh, story. He goes, listen, my wife's going to have our first kid this year. I'm going to go and be with that, that kid. <laughs> you know, so is he going to have to come back and do a 14-day quarantine before he comes back? There's so many questions beyond the finances that I think makes my head explode. And I think those are some of the biggest questions. People think greed. And I think there are so many more implications to playing ball with this pandemic hanging over everybody. It's very true. I can't say I disagree with you. As we move on to the fourth inning, now let's say that they are able to figure it out, Chad, and they are able to have this season. Um, the 82-game season would certainly be an interesting scenario. I actually would kind of be into this. Um, Now, with the Cubs having a rotation of five guys who are basically all in their 30s at this point, um, maybe a team that, you know, has been a little lagged over the years from all the games that they played in the postseason appearances, would a shortened season ultimately help the Cubs and maybe work to their advantage in the 2020 season should they play? I personally think it's, it, it actually could um, because you're not putting as much of a strain on, on the position players. Now, I think the biggest question, and I, I probably am sure this is where you're going to go too, is what effect will a shortened season have on the pitching rotation or the bullpen yeah. for that matter? That is going to be the question that I don't think anybody can answer right now uh, until we actually see what happens. It's funny if you did an 82 game season last year, the Cubs make the playoffs and the Nationals, who you might remember, won the World Series, don't even make the playoffs. So that's that's a big implication right there. When I look at this and I, I appreciate your take on this, when I look at it, I think about, well, this is technically our last full year at full salary with John Lester. Right. Well, with with him at his age, could he come out there and fire more pistols? Because, you know, the Cubs have that, I think, twenty five million dollar option for 2021 and then or a 10 million dollar buyout. So if he comes out and blows the the, the doors off of it, you know, he's he's playing for a contract. Um, Jose Quintana, this is his 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 free agent year. He wants a big contract. Tyler Chatwood, we had big hopes going into spring training that he had figured it out. You know, these are all free agents could really benefit by, you know, pitching, especially by a shortened season so you hope maybe they can bring it um i, I just looked the last couple of years there was a, I, I saw the report i don't remember the exact number but like in the last you know since 15 yeah the cubs would have never missed the playoffs and teams that you know went really far in the playoffs would have missed the playoffs because the cubs you know kind of faltered there towards the end and ran out of gas so so i think it could benefit but it's going to benefit the teams that um you know, it's going to benefit the teams, I think, that are older, the teams with the pitchers that, uh, um, that, that that have less in the tank. And I think the Cubs really are that mold. So let's move on to the fifth inning now. And as we talk about the potential for a 2020 season to happen or not, if it even did, Chad, and we were able to play that 82-game season, is this one of those seasons that you have to just basically put an asterisk next to 
whoever comes out to win the World Series. You know, we've seen strike shortened uh, seasons in, in certain sports. Baseball, the last time we had that was 1995 when they had the lockout. They had a, a shortened season of uh, about 100 and uh, what was it, 44 games. So it wasn't terribly <laughs> much shorter than a normal season. But at the same time, uh, you had the 81 strike where you had two halves to the season. Um, so yeah. would you look at the year and just say, well, that one would just have an asterisk next to it? How do you, how do you ultimately uh, look at the 2020 season? Should it be played? I don't think that there's a Dodger fan alive. And you know what, guys? Call into me if I've got this wrong. I'm going off the top of my head. But I don't think there's a Dodger fan alive who, who in 1981, right, that shortened season, yep. um, I don't think there's a Dodger fan alive that's like, oh, no, that one doesn't count as much. Or, or there's really any fans that look at that pennant for that and think it's short. But really the asterisk season, the one that, that was, you know, was uh, the black mark on, on this sport was 94-95, which, um, you know, we can, we're going to talk more next week about McGuire and Sosa because they've got the 30 for 30 coming out since we're, you know, we're talking about the last dance later. You know, that really helped save what a, what a, the downward spiral that baseball had gone into by just not having a World Series in that year. No, I don't think if this season gets played and they go through the postseason, I do not see how anybody would look at this and be like, and think anything more than we overcame, um, we conquered, and we were able to get, get baseball out there, and it really helped people through this really trying time. The challenge that I see, Ryan, and I mentioned in the previous episode, the pre- previous inning. Um, what if one team, because of illness, just at, they're no longer playing, and then it not, it's no longer a thirty game, 30, 30 team league. I mean, that's an implication. What if then, if you have less teams playing, or or if cities get shut down because of, of of issues, you know, that's where this thing is just so goofy. But no, I think if this this season gets played, even if it's eighty two, and they they allow more people in the, in the playoffs, I think it's going to be such a welcome uh, addition to the worst year on record. Um, that I don't think anybody will look down on this. It, it, it's it's going to stand out because, you know, you know, if somebody bats 400, that'll be weird, right? Because you can do it in less well, time. Well, that's, that's um, where no, I think yeah, the right? Yeah, that's the challenge. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's where I think, yeah. But 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 those are limited. You know, those the, the high average ones are limited, like the highest winning percentage or highest batting average. But nobody's going to break the doubles or RBI's record. It's going to be like the, are they going after Ted Williams yeah. in 400? Yeah, all right, very good. So let us move on to the yeah. sixth inning now, Chad. And, Switch gears a little bit as we talk a little bit more. It's still baseball. It's still baseball. Still baseball a little bit. Obviously, the big story, I guess, in Chicago or I guess in sports, since we haven't had any, is uh, people were watching The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary that detailed the Bulls' final run in 97 98 as they won their sixth and final title. And then it kind of, you know, shuffled back and forth to follow the career of Michael Jordan. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed it immensely. But of course, there was a, um, you know, episode that focused on when Michael retired after the first three championships and then decided to play baseball in the White Sox organization for the Birmingham Barons. So uh, my question to you, Chad, and then I can (laughs) chime in on this, is that how much did you enjoy um, as much as you could with Jordan deciding to play baseball and memories you have of that comparatively mm. to um, trying to block out that time in your life because you were just more upset that he didn't play for the Bulls anymore. So, so two, 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 two quick stories. Um, one, um, what a ride. And I, I know I, I guarantee I speak for you and probably other. I wish we were just in week six, week seven, weeks, whatever. I wish they just did one episode a week and this ran for 10 yes. weeks. Right. Like, why do they do two a week? Because I could have I could have watched I could have watched the last dance for 52 weeks. So I'm bummed that they did that. They didn't realize how good they had it. Um, you know, my memory of Jordan playing, there's there's two pieces. One is, um, you know, it, it did feel like you know, a thing. It just felt like, you know, almost like Tebow playing base. I never thought, I never gave him the credit. So to hear the coaches and the scouts and those to talk about his growth and his progress and things, that was pretty eye-opening, pretty amazing. I remember the back when Interleague wasn't a thing. I remember him playing at Wrigley Field during the Crosstown Classic or whatever they called it back then. That was pretty fun. But let me tell you this one story. The, The first time I got to anchor NBC, an NBC local sports affiliate at WPSD in Paducah, Kentucky. I don't know if you know the story, Ryan. I was still in college. I was working. I worked from an internship into, you know, doing being a news reporter, general assignment reporter. And 
the the weekend guy was had a honeymoon, I think, and the main sports guy, Dave Winder, love Dave Winder. Um, he had to have an upper and lower GI, and they looked at me and they're like, "Gordon, we want you to do two nights of a of a of a sports sports guest." That was my debut behind the anchor desk on an on a on a network, you know, uh, affiliate. And the reason I bring that up, it was during the NBA Finals. And it was, you know, it was a flipping Houston Rockets. So I could have, the only, only regret, how cool would it have been if Jordan was playing and led him there? But that's, I remember that night. I remember that every time I hear anybody having a gastro bypass issue or gastro issues, <laughs> I think about how I got my break. But then it, it would have been fun instead of watching Hakeem been having Jordan back in, uh, in, in 95. Yeah. So that's my dumb I, story. So I remember <laughs> this vividly. I do remember the night that it was getting around with that he was going to retire from the NBA because it was my freshman year at Southern Illinois University. You were a sophomore then. Um, and I remember being in my dorm room and people were starting to say that Jordan was oh, going to yeah. retire. And then the reports came out during the game as I was watching the White Sox and the Blue Jays in that yeah. game one where Jordan threw out the first pitch. And it was almost like yeah. a surreal moment. And then you see yeah. him playing baseball. And, you know, on one hand, it's like, you're happy for him to that degree. But of course, you know, when you're younger and you're selfish and you just wanted to see him continue to play for the bulls, obviously I, yeah. I couldn't appreciate what he had done um, from that standpoint. But if you, now that I look back on it and now that I've seen the documentary and we're going to yeah. get into this with, with Kurt Bloom in our next inning, you, you totally appreciate how Michael Jordan went to another sport, went to a small town like Birmingham, Alabama, where football is absolutely king and, and made baseball important for that summer for people in small towns all over the South yeah. that nobody had gotten the opportunity to see Michael Jordan play in that capacity because they didn't have the NBA teams in yeah. these kind of markets. Yeah. That was their chance to see the greatest basketball player of all time, be it in another sport. But to be able to appreciate that and see that, I, I only wish that I could have had the opportunity to have said, yeah. hey, I got to see Michael Jordan play, but I got to see him play yeah. baseball. And even though he might not yeah. have been, you know, the most amazing baseball player, it still, I think, would have been such an amazing experience to see that yes. and, and, and be a part of that. So for my, for, for me, I can look back on it now and, and appreciate it that much more. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines. And, you know, with the last dance documentary just out and now available to watch online after, uh, you weren't able to catch it on ESPN. We have a treat for you this week. We have the longtime radio broadcaster for the Birmingham Barons. He covered Michael Jordan that fateful year of 1994. Longtime broadcaster for this team, Kurt Bloom, kind enough to join us here on the seventh inning stretch. Kurt, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here uh, for the show. Yeah, I appreciate that. When you said uh, a treat, I was thinking of Halloween. I'm, I'm maybe more of a trick than a treat, but we'll find out <laughs> over the next 15 minutes. You can find Kurt on Twitter at Kurt Bloom for, of course, he's a great follow there. So, Kurt, let's just ask the obvious question before we get into some last dance Michael Jordan talk. Um, you're a baseball broadcaster. Obviously, that is not happening right now. What have you been doing to kind of pass the time? I'm sure your wife is probably ready to strangle you, but uh, what, what have you been trying to do to, to pass the time? I'm not, I, I'm going to uh, let you count the number of things and I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, yeah, she is the, the beyond strangulation. Um, number one, um, it has been an incredible two weeks of interviews because of the last dance um, there was a day last Monday that I had seven interviews. Um, I was on uh, two, two in two countries and three continents or something along those lines. Um, and that, it, that really did take up a lot of time. Um, the second thing that uh, I'm doing is uh, catching up on uh, really what has become one of my favorite TV shows, and that's Chicago PD. So um, I go back to uh, season one, episode one, and I'm, I'm now through 
three and a half years of uh, Chicago PD. And then third, and I say this with a kind of a, a smile and at the same time, it's reality. Uh, and that is I am driving, there's a company here in the South called Shipped. And uh, I know up in uh, Chicagoland, they have Instacart. So uh, as glamorous as it might not seem, um, it, uh, that, that's what's right now paying some of the bills. Uh, you, got, you have to do something. You have to grind. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and so that's what I'm doing. So it's a combination of uh, Jordan interviews and podcasts and <laughs> Zoomcasts, Chicago PD rerun, uh, reruns, and then um, uh, going out to shift. I'll be doing that after this interview, and that's basically six and a half, seven days a week. And, um, you know, I, I think ultimately for me, the way I look at it, mentally and physically, I'm in a great place. Um, I decided in March when, when sports got shut down that this is going to last a while. Uh, so I, I grabbed this job. I was lucky and, and fortunate. And, um, you know, I just keep going. I'm, I, I'm an optimistic person by nature. So I just keep going until someone tells me to stop. Good for you. No, that's a great attitude to have, especially, obviously, with everything going on. And, of course, when you have a sudden stop to sports like we have, um, it, it certainly, I can imagine, takes something o- away from you. Um, in, in that regard, let, let me ask you this, you know, you'd said that you've been doing so many interviews and so many podcasts and, you know, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do uh, this podcast with us. Did you have to maybe kind of think back a little bit? Did you have to say, oh my gosh, I got to like really remember this stuff from, you know, over 20 years ago to when Michael was there. Did you kind of have to like really think back, maybe look at old notes or interviews to just kind of say to yourself, okay, I need to just be prepared so I can remember all this. Or was it pretty easy? You're like, no, I I know exactly how it went down. Well, I'm the type of guy that can't remember to put the garbage out on Wednesday night for Thursday pickup. And when my wife says, you know, swing by the grocery store and pick up a couple of tomatoes and cucumbers, I'll forget all that. I mean, I'm not not like I walk in. I'm like, oh, no, I was supposed to do this. But when it comes to baseball and sports in 1994, um, it's it's there. It's all in a file um, from my shoulders to the top of my head. Uh, It was a great question. uh, And it's just all automatic recall. And it's not just me. I've, I've found out. Uh, teammates, front office, uh, Terry Francona, whoever it is, our recall of that year, um, because maybe it was so, such a, a special year, is is just incredible. Um, I, I've told myself I better put some of this down in writing uh, or at least record it, but I, I haven't. But I, I could see every day, every minute, and practically remember 99 point let's call it 99.8% of the stories and, and things that I saw for 150 days. So let's, uh, let's start here. Um, I obviously grew up in Chicago. I, I was in high school and in college during that, you know, six title run. For me, it was very nostalgic to see everything that unfolded from the basketball side. I imagine for you, how nostalgic was it for you to watch the episode where they went deep into Michael Jordan's baseball career? It, it must have been very surreal for you to some degree to watch that episode and kind of reminisce. Well, we've been watching it and reminiscing for 26 years. So it, it's no shock to the system, uh, especially things heighten up on anniversaries, uh, the 5th, the 10th, the 25th. Um, and this is because of the last dance, the 26th, which is not, you know, a, uh, a regular scribed anniversary. Like you don't give your your family a gift on the 26th, but this was our gift, I guess. <laughs> and uh, the way we, we sum it up is all of us got to see in uh, a, a period of 150 days what the rest of the world is now getting to see. So we opened this oyster up. Uh, the last dance did and the people at ESPN, they opened it up something we were able to see the contents of 26 years ago. Um, When you initially heard, we're talking with Kurt Bloom, longtime radio announcer for the Birmingham Barons, uh, kind enough to join us here on the seventh inning stretch covered Michael Jordan as we reminisce about the last dance documentary. So when you heard Michael was coming to play for the Barons, do you remember where you were and what your reaction was? 
I remember my reaction, and I'm not sure again if you've got sensors, bleepers, or you can say whatever you need. You know, I mean, <laughs> we're we're not on terrestrial radio, so the the first word I said was bullshit <laughs> because <laughs> I I never thought it would happen. Um, I it, remember again. I I'm I'm an extreme optimist. I believe in life and love and health and happiness. But this was the most pessimistic day of my life going, this is not going to happen. This guy's not going to get off a plane and wind up in Birmingham and technically 25 miles south in this tiny suburb at the time called Hoover, Alabama. I said, this is not going to work. And then even after he did, there were days, um, you know, for the first week, two weeks that I said, someone's going to pull the plug on this and it's all going to be a joke and a mirage and it didn't really happen. But like everything else, Michael Jordan proved not only me, but the rest of the world wrong. Um, and I, I think it's important to tell everybody that we didn't find out as a staff until March 30th, and we opened up less than a week later. So there wasn't time to prepare. And when I look back on it and I talk to some other front office people, I think that might have been actually best uh, because you, you're, we had great leadership, but it might have been something that could have been overwhelming. And, and because we didn't know what was going to happen, uh, we just – Went about our daily business until that call in March uh, uh, in March. And uh, and then we we answered the phones as quickly as we possibly can and marched on with our business. So the first time you got to meet Michael Jordan with the Barons, what was that interaction like for you? My very first one, technically, is kind of funny. Um, for a long time, I, as a radio guy, I'm also in charge of batting practice music. And, and I take a lot of pride in that, keeping the, the uh, the groove, so to speak, for the guys, you know, and they, they look up because I'm, the reason why is because you're preparing for your game. You got your notes and they're on the field. So they always look up at you and they yell, put the music on, put you. And he had he had other conferences and, and, and the main press conference he had was probably like four or five days in. Well, anyways, we were struggling with um, at the at the time. Uh, 1994, I was struggling with the audio at the ballpark. Uh, the speakers would go out. You'd hear five seconds of a song. Uh, you'd, you'd, you were just getting so thoroughly embarrassed and thrashed. And you knew that was it's, it's part, of, part of sports, you know, the music leading up to the, the event. And when he did his um, press conference, he came up to the, uh, our banquet room, and it, it was that day that I finally had music that didn't stop, that, that continued on. And the, the very first thing he ever said to me is, you did a good job today with that. And I'm like, oh, wow, I, I made it, you know. <laughs> um, and, and for those fans and those people that remember, uh, I do like it was yesterday. There was a trio uh, called Sisters with Voices, SWV. And they had the 90s vibe going. And that's the, the trigger right there. So if you ever want to go back and Google them and, and see what they're all about, that's the one where the, the music played and there was no interruption. And Michael finally gave me, you know, hey, man, you're in. You're, you're OK. You, you were pretty garbage prior to this because you couldn't get <laughs> us going. But you're all right now. So that's the way I looked at it. And it's a fun, fun, you know, first time memory, no doubt. Rhino, I love that interview. I love the fact that we're watching The Last Dance. And you text me, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to the Barons. We're going to get this interview. So kudos on you, man. That was fun. That well, was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it really was. And a couple of things there. One, um, Kurt had told us off the interview before we started that basically he had just been doing constant radio interviews and podcasts for the last <laughs> few weeks talking about this. So, so it was I, an original idea. <laughs> yeah. So I do appreciate that he made time for us because he definitely was very busy. He said, uh, doing a lot of reminiscing about it. The other thing, Chad, that, you know, we gleam from that interview um, that we're going to get into in part two is we're going to talk more about Michael Jordan's chances of playing yeah. in the major leagues. And that's for next week when we hear part two of our interview. Wait, no, wait a second. Are we going to stretch this out to 10 episodes? Like uh, <laughs> the, the Friendly Confines, The Last Dance, ten, right. ten, 10 episodes? I figure if they can go 10, we can go two, right? We can go two. We can go two. Real quickly, I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot. Um, those 10 episodes, the thing that, that like, I, I, I remember watching that and being like, 
oh god i remember that remember that remember that the what were the ones that were like as they happened you're like oh my god i don't like i don't remember how like i remember rodman was a bit of a distraction <laughs> but but like the fact that like i forgot about madonna and carmen electra i forgot about him going to vegas during the middle of the season and go to the club that just blew my mind what was the one when you saw it, you were like and it could be about any of the players but was and, and by the way uh horace grant calling you know the pit uh the pistons uh the, the you know bitches that was kind of good too what was your what was your moment of that yeah that there, show? Were, there were a few things it's it is funny because there were things that i sat there and i went wow i totally forgot that happened I forgot that Pippen had surgery that final year and yep. got out the first 44 yep. games. And I also forgot that he demanded a trade. Now, I yeah, remember yeah. Pippen demanding a trade during the 94-95 season, like right before Michael came back. But yeah. I didn't remember him then getting upset about the fact that he was still, you know, not willing yes. to play for the team. So that was that was a takeaway. The Rodman thing, too. Now, here's the interesting <laughs> thing about the Rodman story. Rodman goes to Vegas. If you look at his stats from that year, Chad, Rodman <laughs> played in 80 games that year. He played in yeah. he played in 80 of the 82 games. So it's uh, not like he missed a considerable yeah. amount of time <laughs> that season. Um, so I yeah. do find that interesting that, you know, that was in there. I understand it was it was good TV. Part. It was good TV. Let's yeah. just say that. But but I didn't <laughs> want people to think like Rodman didn't show up for like 20 right. games. I mean, he. He missed, yeah. I think, two games that entire season, and he was there yeah. the uh, the rest of the time. But so such a much great, fun, so a, much fun. We're gonna yeah. have that. We're gonna have the rest. Uh, so uh, why don't you why don't you uh, share how if people want to follow him? Yeah. So Kurt is available. You can follow him on Twitter at Kurt Bloom Four. So be sure to check him out. And of course, he's just waiting to get back to doing his thing and being the announcer for the Birmingham Barons, which he has done so for 31 seasons pretty remarkable what a career he's had um you know calling games for uh, birmingham and uh, the barons and obviously the highlight of that so, 1994 season so, so we, we appreciate so, his yeah. time yeah great. so so good ryan so good so way to go get that and i'll share with you if you want to follow ryan he's at ryan d lieber on twitter and you can find me at uh, cubs confines on twitter and as always if you haven't already uh, uh you know, join our list of, uh, I think, 1,500 people strong on the Friendly Confines Cubs Facebook page. You can find that by just searching for the Friendly Confines Cubs Facebook page on Facebook, obviously. Um, a lot of great messaging. Uh, it's a lot more fun during game days and things like that, but it's a great, fun, um, positive uh, Cubs experience. Uh, so much fun. Um, again, kudos, Ryan, for, for knocking that out. So, hey, we're going we're gonna to shift gears here in the eighth inning, and we're going to talk about a longtime friend of the show, a longtime friend of mine, um, and, uh, and a pioneer um, of, uh, I would say a pioneer, but a legend uh, um, of Chicago radio, uh, Mark Silverman. Uh, you know, there's a, it's a kind of a, a fun thing um, that, that's happening with, the, with the, the folks over at Obvious Shirts. But if you don't know, and you probably do know, um, Mark Silverman, who's been a guest on this show a, a handful of times, he is he's a legend in Chicago sports talk radio. He's been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma um, just in April. And it was quite a shock to him. Um, and he's immediately gone into treatment. But uh, if you're familiar with the Jimmy V, the V Foundation, um, the Sylvie and uh, Obvious shirts are coming together to uh, they've got these fun shirts. Uh, one, uh, one of them says Sylvie Strong. And then the other one, uh, his uh, his son um, actually actually drew a picture. And it's this great like crayon or the thing where it says Sylvie is strong. Uh, Mason uh, drew that. So it's it's if. It's I wanted to throw this challenge out to any of our listeners. And this is a multi-step challenge, but I promise you um, we're going to do this. So if, if you happen to buy one of these shirts, all you have to do is go obvi obviousshirts.com, obviousshirts.com. Click on the link, um, and it'll take you right to the Sylvie Strong page. If you buy one of those shirts, take a picture in that shirt um, and uh, and tag Ryan and I in the show and, and tag, tag uh, Mark uh, we will be purchasing a, a shirt in your honor um, uh, and we'll be giving that to, 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 to listeners. So our hope is that several people will actually um, take this picture and tag us. Um, but we want to raise as much. Every single penny from this fundraiser goes to the Jimmy V Foundation. So it's such a great one. And, and Rhino, what, uh, what's, you know, when you think about Silverman and what he means to Chicago radio and, and he ain't going anywhere, he's, he's going to get through this. Um, you know, what's your thoughts about Mark? I mean, Mark has handled this with such class, such grace, yeah. and he's really been amazing to put himself out there, share his story, 
and kind of, you know, be one of those people uh, who uh, is is a role model for others who are dealing with this. And, you know, cancer touches so many people and it doesn't have, um, you know, an age group or, um, you know, anybody of race or color or religion. It affects anyone and everyone. And uh, I I just give Mark so much credit as someone who has known Mark um, since he was about, you know, 19, 20 years old and has seen how hard he has worked to get to where he is. I have no doubt he's going to put the same effort into this fight against cancer that he has for everything else in his life. And I I just certainly wish him the very best in speedy recovery. I remember I remember doing um, radio with him in at Southern Illinois University. and, And he just he just, you know, he told me what his plan was and his plan was to do exactly what he's doing, which is be the the, you know, one of the top radio guys in the city of Chicago covered, cover Jordan, cover the bears, cover the bulls, yeah. um, cover the Cubs. And so he's out there doing it. And when he says, uh, you know, you know, we, we got this, you know, he, he's, he's, he's going to do this. And so, so again, go to obvious shirts, uh, com and you'll see, uh, Sylvie strong is one of the links, uh, buy that shirt, support Sylvie, support the V foundation. It's such a great cause. It's a great shirt. And let's be honest, we all need, something to support and cheer that is uh, outside of this uh, COVID garbage. Couldn't have said it any better, Chad. Um, So let us move on to the ninth inning. We'll finish up with something fun. Um, Recently, the Marquee Network has kind of pulled uh, Len Casper, Cole Wright, uh, some others that, you know, work at the network to put together an all-time Cubs lineup. Um, I have not done this. I, I should have been a little more prepared, Chad, but I figured it would be more fun to maybe do it off the cuff. So, with that being said, give me your starting nine plus <laughs> a um, a relief pitcher, and um, we can go around the horn. It doesn't have to be like a who would lead off, who would bat second kind of thing. Go by yeah. position, and um, if you want me to start, I'm happy to as well. But um, if you want to go first, feel free. But go around the horn and give me your starting um well, let's say eight with the starting pitcher let, and then your, your relief. Let, let's, let's do it this way. I'll put you on the spot. You give me your starting catcher and your starting three outfielders, and then I'll, I'll follow up and then I'll give you my starting infield and you can follow up that way. We're, we're, uh, we're a little bit on the spot. So who's your, who's your uh, left to right outfield plus catcher. Okay. So left to right outfield. So here's where it gets tricky. And I don't mean to uh, try and, and distract from this, but um can it be like anybody in the outfield? Like if somebody plays normally right field, can I put them in left field or does it have to be somebody that like, you know what, you know what you, because there's no baseball, you know, whatever the heck you want to do. Okay. You can do that. Yeah. So, so my Cubs outfield, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, hack Wilson is going to be playing, uh, left field for me. Um, in right field, uh, I'm going to put, Oh my goodness. I'm going to put Andre Dawson in right field. Uh, Yeah. And in center field, uh, I am going to put, oh boy, who should I put in center field right now? I'm going to put, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, just because he's coming into my head, I'm going to go with Kai Kai Kyler at center field. I, I sincerely appreciate that. And before you go to the catcher, I'm going to tell you you're wrong um, because you and you're going to be embarrassed. But uh, I know I did this last time and I had an outfielder. Yeah, I totally forgot. Our, our, our left fielder is Billy Williams. You can't not have Billy Williams. I'm sorry. And I'd put Hack Williams, Wilson, rather, Hack Wilson, uh, um, the, the, the RBI leader, probably never be, that'll be never be beaten in center field. And then I'm going to disagree with you, but it's okay. I'm okay with you with Andre. You know where my allegiance lies, one of the most exciting players of my lifetime. Sammy Sosa is going to start in right field. Who do you got to catch? Okay, so so let me let me back up for a second. Can I put Billy Williams in center <laughs> field then? I'll put Billy Williams in center, Hack Wilson in right or in left, and I. If you if you want if you want to be more accurate, I'd swap them. I put Billy in left and Hack in. Center. Okay, just, there we go. Hack's going to be in center. More Billy's starts, in left. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right. That's a great call. All right, so catcher, catcher. I'm going to go with. Um, See, now this is where it's interesting. I There's a part yeah. of me that actually wants to pick David Ross because I feel like 
How can you not pick D Ross? But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Gabby Hartnett at catcher. I, I guess I'm yeah. just gonna have to do that. Gabby Hartnett put up some amazing numbers. I'm gonna have to yeah. to put him at catcher. That- yeah, Gabby. Gabby's my starter at catcher as well. I love that you picked the third string catcher for the 2016. <laughs> um, I love it because he just he's epic, and I love as well that three catchers had huge moments. Yes. in the uh, in in game seven, which is hilarious. All right, so I'll do I'll do the infield now. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to have, uh, um, Rhino, um, you know, the player of our youth, uh, I'd be surprised if you don't have him at second base as well. Um, I've got, uh, uh, Ernie at shortstop. Um, and then this is where, you know, you get either historical or you get, you know, you, you get more favoritism. Um, but, uh, you gotta go Ron Santo. You gotta go hall of famer at third base. I do at least. And then for first base is where you could you could go more recent because you just love them. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna take a flyer right now and I'm gonna do something. I mean it'd be so easy to say Cap Anson, right? Um, and so many people love Derek Lee back in the day, um, but I'm gonna say Anthony Rizzo because I do believe the way he's been playing, um, the way he's been carrying himself. I believe like that's Mr. Cub 2.0 of our of this generation rather. Um, so I'm gonna just put I'm gonna just put a flyer on Rizzo and say he's gonna stand out test of time and i'm going to put him on at first base okay so for me i'm going to kind of go in a different direction yes cap anson could be a guy mark grace could be a guy Derek lee could be a guy i mean Derek lee my god i mean you you could pick Derek lee for those three or four seasons that he had i mean they were they were better that especially 2005 you i mean that could have been one of the greatest seasons a chicago cub has ever had you know if you look at his numbers <laughs> could have pound yes, for yes, pound. Yeah. um yeah I'm going to go Phil Cavaretta at first base. Maybe get some okay. flack for that, but uh, no. I'm going to go Phil Cavaretta. Second base, I'm going to obviously go Sandberg. Um, even though Rogers Hornsby is a close second, but I'm going to go Sandberg at second. Shortstop, obviously Ernie Banks. Um, third base, yes, Santo, 100%. You could put him there, but um, I'm going to say Chris Bryant. I'm going to put Chris Bryant at third yeah. base. Um, and then uh, I guess that leaves us with starting pitcher and then relief pitcher. So would you like to do the honors or would you like me to go there? You know, um, let's just, let's, 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 let's throw out three pitchers and one reliever. I think that'd be a fun one. You know, we could do the test of time. So Fer- Fergie, Fergie Jenkins is going to be the guy, um, you know, for me in terms of a Hall of Fame pitcher of our past. Um, and then I just, I look at what that shortened time that he was the greatest pitcher of all time. Um, I just look at Jake and say, Jake Arietta. I mean, how could I think about like, you know, the two, two no hitters in the span of just a couple dozen starts, you know, literally like willed us during the postseason in, in 15 and 16. Um, he was, he was just, just the guy. So I'll start, I'll stop with those two and then, and then I'll finish up with the starting pitcher and a, and a, and a closer. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, those are both great choices. So I, I'm going to also go Fergie. Um, and then the second guy I'm going to go with is, uh, Mordecai three finger Brown. Yeah. Uh, you obviously going way back on that. Not one. a lot of film on him. You know, you know, you, <laughs> don't, you, you know, you see, he doesn't show up a lot in the, in the best of uh, videos, you know, you just can't, yeah. you don't see, you don't see his dominance. <laughs> yeah, very true. So those are the two. And then three, I mean, certainly there's other directions you can go in, but I'm going to go with Greg Maddox is my number three guy. Um, that's, that's, you know, I mean, just, yeah. I understand that he had a, you know, to this day, it still bothers me that the Cubs let him get yeah. away. And that's a whole other story and a whole other episode. But, um, you know, when he was there from 88 to 92, uh, Maddox proved that he was just scratching the surface of what an incredible career he was going to have. And he did win the Cy Young with the Cubs. Um, and oh, prior to Jake winning it, he was the last guy yeah. uh, to win the Cy Young Award uh, before Rick Sutcliffe had in 84. So, I'm going to go with Maddox as my three guys, as much as it pains me, because I do love Rick Sutcliffe. I, 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 you know, Sut would probably be, because again, it's, I appreciate you on Mordecai. That's more, you know, historically accurate, but Sut is just that time, you know, the 89 team was your team. It really brought you into, into this world. The 84 team was the one that made me know what caring and crying and emotion feels like. Right. Um, and then I would, uh, I just, I push back on Maddox and I do this and I'm, I'm so, I'm so okay with you not liking it or listen to our listeners liking it. Greg Maddox is a hall of famer for the Atlanta Braves. And he is the biggest Testament to the failures of the Tribune as an ownership group. That True. It, it pains me to say that. So I really do believe there should be only one thirty one hanging from Wrigley and it should be, it should be, um, it should be not, not Greg Maddox. It should be Fergie. 
Who do you like as your closer? Is it an obvious? Uh, it's uh, you know it's 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 interesting. I mean, you could go you could go with uh, uh, you know I mean, if you want to just have some fun with it and just be like Rod Beck, <laughs> you know, yeah. or Carlos Marmol because I mean they were at the time were so incredibly strong and in, incredibly dominant. But you know one of you know my favorite closer is is uh, is 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 here at the end. You know, it's towards the end of his career because he just he had it such a. I love that he got to finish as a closer and I just, I just put him in there as just a, as, as a love affair, but I just love Kerry Wood. And even though he wasn't dominant, he, he has a couple decent, uh, you know, he has a couple deep, decent, uh, um, you know, opportunities where, where he was shined as a closer. He, it was, that was the, just what might've been sort of thing, but yeah, probably, you know, probably Suter probably would be the guy um, you'd put on there historically. Um, but man, I love Kerry Wood. I'd love him in there. I'd love him as a closer from the start. I think he nobody could have touched him for a decade. Yeah. So I mean, I totally uh, respect that answer. I I can't argue with that. I think there there there's no wrong answer here, right? Suter would be a guy that I would go with. Um, obviously, I have such a love and affinity for Mitch Williams. But oh, yeah. for me, if I'm going to go with a closer, Lee Smith is going to be the guy who I go with for the Chicago Cubs. Um, yeah. You know, for he 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 was the dominant closer in baseball for such a long time. And such a long such career. a close number two, really, is a close yeah. number two for me. I'm with you. Yeah, very true. I mean, that, this is fun, man. And like I said, there is no wrong answer, right? Because there's yeah. so many guys that you can debate back and forth, and then you have the question of, like you said before, do you go with like a single season guy yeah. and say, I want you know, Jake Arrieta from 2015. Yeah. Like, that's the guy because yeah, if that's the case, then yeah, you can't, I mean, it, you yeah. Can't if the scenario, if that. the scenario was give me a player in a season, I mean, I think we're picking, we're, we're picking a much different top nine, right? We're, right. If we could pick like one moment in time or one season in time, I think we look at it differently, but these are just fun things. So, Hey, if, if you guys want to, you know, send us, tweet us, um, tweet at us, uh, your starting nine, um, uh, make sure you tag both of us and uh, we'd love to, to carry the, the, the conversation online. hundred percent. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this edition of the friendly confines. Chad, it was good to be back. It was good, good to, to uh, you know, get back into the saddle. I know we took some time away just to, you know, see if baseball would maybe come back, but we finally said, you know what, it's time for us to just come back. even. And we're going to be baseball. back next week. So, so our longtime listeners, I mean, we're getting ready to cross over into 20,000 downloads. Thank you all so much. We're going to be back next week. And until they say, Hey, baseball's done for a while, we're going to be in your ear and we're going to keep bringing you amazing guests. So thanks for listening, everybody. And hang in there. Absolutely. So for Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one and stay safe. Take care, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed The first time you walk into Wrigley 